Here we are at an airstrip in the middle of France, surrounded by 400 extinct volcanoes. It's searingly hot, and the shiny boy, to end all shiny boys, lifts his arms aloft. Then he puts them to his side, as if he were some sort of messianic figure. Perhaps Jesus nailed to a cross, except in this case, he's not. He's a rider from Bike Exchange Jaco, and his name is Michael Matthews. And good Lord, he's won a bicycle race in unexpected fashion. Because I think, David, you and I, quite um, understandably and for good reasons, wrote off his chances relatively emphatically in the commentary. Well, we did, but we also said um, you never write him off. <laughs> so we did kind of hedge <laughs> up. Yeah, but that's, that's the commentators kind of like, yeah. oh, well, just in case I'm wrong, I'll say this. But it, it was quite unexpected. And, uh, it was massively unexpected. I said he was going to win. Did you? That when out. did you say that? Really early, didn't I, Pete? You did. When he was in the breakaway. Mm-hmm. And also, no, on this wait. podcast earlier, like I'm talking days and days ago, yeah. I said the only way or chance he's got of winning the stage is if he gets in the breakaway. Yeah, so but I don't know if he's listening, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, but... No, no, no worries, Michael. Any time you need any advice, yeah. That's super Give impressive from Lizzie, and maybe a bit less I think there was a perfect synchronicity to last night's episode where we finally had you, Lizzie, define a shiny boy. Yeah. And then... One of them wins. The, in bold capital letters, the shiny boy wins today. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I remember actually being on a bike ride with Bling. By the way, who is lovely. Yeah. Um... And he was talking me through his engagement ring. So he'd obviously got engaged with his fiance and yep. decided that it's not fair that she gets a ring yep. without him getting a ring. And he'd got this diamond encrusted bit of bling. My and, yeah. God, that's amazing. So it's bling. <laughs> He's, he is very bling, yeah. I but loved an engagement he, ring. Um, he delivers, doesn't he? So, yeah. you know. It was. We'll get back to the final, I think, a bit later. But perhaps we should start at the beginning. Um, what? Oh, yeah. What the beginning of today? Well, uh, well, the today race you. We could go either today, today or, or today, 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 couldn't we? Okay. Well, why don't we do today with hey, you? Equality, you that though, Lizzie. Isn't it? Well, I don't know. We haven't really had, in, you know, in the car. We haven't really discussed how our mornings were. So, no. should we talk about our mornings? Yes. Oh, should we? Well, should Lizzie, we? you had a bit of a crisis last night when we arrived at the hotel, didn't you? Do you want to talk us through that one after we recorded the pod? Do we have yeah, to? So yeah, so we, well, yeah, you know, we yeah. were unpacking the car yep. oh, yeah. and um, turns out my bag didn't make it, did it, David? No, I've been working really hard on logistics management. Major Miller. Major Miller. Thank you, guys. And um, I was complacent and perhaps... Uh, just not thinking because you said yesterday when you were leaving the hotel Dave I'm leaving the Brompton and I didn't go into details I didn't realise you just left your bag which we've taught you to do at the hotel but I'm which used to we've walk- taught you to do yeah. <laughs> how hard was that to learn Lizzie yeah. was that must have been quite a struggle well I'm planning on unlearning it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got back there and as the hotel and I walked in there were no Bromptons no bags around and but I who leaves their bag in front of reception like if someone tells mm. you to leave your bag at reception I would leave it behind reception yeah in this car I don't know why we've got into the habit of leaving things at the door 
literally <laughs> at the door of the hotel. <laughs> or yeah. occasionally on the street outside the door, if yeah. we're feeling really rogue. Passports. Well, if anyone wants a free laptop, <laughs> you yeah. just yeah. need to find out where we're staying. Yeah. But anyway, it all worked out. Because, it all worked um, out, because I'm super mm. relaxed. No. Yes, you are yes. super relaxed. Yeah, you were like, it's, it's okay, I'll wear the same dress on set again tomorrow. I was like, don't worry, I've worn the same t-shirt twice, <laughs> twice in a row. It's fine, no one notices. You were actually amazing, yeah, because so we, arrived, yeah. we arrived so late into Monde last night, and... That's devastating news to your bag was in Saint Etienne. But with all your clothes in it, essentially, apart from the ones you were stood up in, didn't derail you at all. Not in the slightest. These no. things happen, don't they? I was just pleased Not normally. that <laughs> Not somebody normally. had stayed in Saint Etienne and they could bring it today. Free boss. Free boss. Free Thank boss. goodness for free boss. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to free boss. Yeah. Yeah. If he out. wasn't there, he could have asked there. Uh, yeah. He could have got on the blower yeah. to Ciccone. No. Giulio, yeah. Ciccone, yeah. oh. why? Oh. Because they were staying... Because they were riding, literally riding their bikes from Saint-Étienne to Mantes today. So, at a push. And it was a Trek Segafredo bag as well, wasn't it? It was. Sponsor correct. Osprey. Very nice. Perhaps Ned, you should just give a a brief explanation of kind of how we have the team that used to be on, which was the start team. Yep. And we're the finish team for ITV. Point. Yeah, yeah, so Which me and mo- Gary got mixed up with on the first... Well, that was hilarious in 2019. So, most of our operation... Well... Half of it happens in London, where there are a big team of people putting together the highlights show, and an amazing job they do of it, I believe. I very rarely watch the highlights show because we don't get to see it. Um, but they do that. The, in France, there are three quarters of the team is at the finish line every day. So we bang on, as we're doing now, we're transferring from Mont to Carcassonne, 274 kilometers left on this journey. And um, we then set up at the finish line every morning, um, having arrived pretty late in the evening before. Um, the only exception to that is Daniel Freep, who with Liam and Andy, his sound engineer, um, Liam's a cameraman, they hang back at a hotel close to the start line, which is why Daniel then goes to, and he's able to interview riders at the start before. But then they have, <coughs> then they have to be at the finish line as well. So they have to, <coughs> excuse me, before the race leaves, they have to shoot along in the car on an off-route itinerary, often like, uh, maybe a hundred kilometers longer than the actual race sometimes they've got to get to the finish line do Um, they have police escort on that no 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 they're just on they are absolutely they're off the race entirely so they're on their own and you know so if the race is going along like this kind of route nationale sort of thing they're on an auto route doing maybe an extra hundred kilometers to get round it and to get to the finish line that's that. That's the yeah. explanation. Um, but your morning this morning, you decided, you, Ned, you decided to ride up um, the Monte Jalabert. Well, WhatsApp group, Pete said, to go for a run or not go for a run. Mm. Something like that. You had a little bit of a dilemma, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, it's c- couldn't move this morning. Mm. Uh, and then, Ned, yeah, you were you committed to the... Actually, it's over the race so far, Ned has outclassed us all in terms of sport, hasn't he? Sporty Ned. Well, not the top-end performance, just the, bl- the workload. Oh, the consistency. Just the workload. Yeah. Just atomic yeah. habits. Yeah. Just daily. Yeah, I was so, so surprised. up the climb, I you? was so surprised, because I've been here, I think it's my third visit to Mond. 2015, Cummings. 2018, um, Omar Fraili won from a break. Oh, yeah. I think on the, first, on the first occasion in 2015, I think we just drove to the finish line. Yeah, absolutely, because I didn't have a Brompton. Back didn't have a Brompton. The, the pre-Miller pre- days. Yeah. Exactly, so we just drove to finish line. 2018, I, for some reason, bizarrely, I walked to the finish line. Mm. And I think you drove the car or you got a lift with Christian, David. Yeah, because I was stopping and uh, me videoing you with Didi. With Didi the Devil? Yeah. So you drove up, I think, yeah. with Christian. So I'd, 
So I'd never actually understood, and today understood, <laughs> I went up on a Brompton, um, mm. up the climb. It's not far, but I had no idea how hard it was. It's very difficult. Oh, so I, mm. I actually suffered more, genuinely wanted to, I hated it, and wanted to step off more today on this three kilometre climb um, than I had done in Alpe d'Huez. Than Port Well, no, certainly Port was a joy, but, but on Alpe d'Huez, I mean, mm. It was. It is a savage climb, and that was really instructive when it came to commentating today. Yeah, it does. Because in the race, it gives you no. You don't really. Yeah, you could commentate it. a lot better because you could understand what Michael Matthews was going through. <laughs> well, <laughs> I couldn't really, could I? But what I did <laughs> what, know, what Lizzie? What I did know. Oh yeah. <laughs> go on, Lizzie. I'm no. I mean, <laughs> I can see the similarities definitely. <laughs> I have this dilemma as well with doing the, the final running sometimes on my road bike and I'm trying to get a feel for what to talk about, what the riders might be going through and I'm like, it, are they just going to fly over this and not even really feel it where I'm mm. like on the limit sweating Yeah, and it's just like, it's really hard because you don't know well, cause how you know the race you are anymore. Because sometimes when you come back from a grand But Ned knows how fit he is. No. Ned does. Oh, yeah. Like, How fit I am? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. No, but he doesn't know how fit they are. Uh, no, it's true. I understand yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> fit they are. Because yeah. when Pete's, Pete, one of Pete's jobs is to do the, go out on his bike with the 3D camera and microphone and give analysis of the race. Yeah. And it's so easy to forget how fast the race goes. Mm. So you could be like, oh, they're going to be in the small ring here. This can be really tough. Then the race comes along and they're just balling along in the big yeah, ring. And they just Correct. float so, over it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oops. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to split to bits. <laughs> this is going to be such a key moment in the race. It's like, <laughs> and it isn't. Yeah. Caleb Ewan's like leading them over the top of it. You know? <laughs> Bandaged Eating up. a power bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> but, 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 riders of Neverstray's car, I ask you all, is there not a massive difference? Or isn't there a tipping point on a climb? Isn't there a huge difference between an, a 7 or an 8% climb and suddenly an 11 or 12% climb? Does that not change the nature of the beast? Lizzie can have this one. Lizzie. Oh, uh, well, mm, the steeper the better for me. I, I really like steep climbs because it's just about... Uh, steepness can only last so long, can't it? Apart from Motorola, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Does it change it completely? Yeah, I have a better chance of staying with a climber on a really steep section than I do on a really long 7% climb. Hmm. I, I, I think, think this is down to mentality as well, though, isn't it, Lizzie? Because you just, you're all out to get over it yeah as opposed to like you say 20-30 yeah, like, minutes I wasn't surprised that Bling pulled that off today no given well, his characteristics on that climb mm. I, I agree I mean I think with hindsight I agree massively obviously <laughs> yeah. I mean I think it was know, obvious that he was going to win <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's not so in the, you know there are there are races in the calendar that are quite famous for sprinters climbs right and mm. I think of the the Dubai Tour and the Hatta Dam climb that Caleb Ewan has won, which is a 200-meter mm. effort at 20%. But that's all it is. But yeah. This was so long. But, Ned, look at who yeah. was behind him out of that breakaway. And it, mm. it says a lot about the, the style and type of climb. Yeah. Meteor. You know, it wasn't... Yeah, Flanders, the, Flanders winner. Wasn't the pure, you know... Do we know any Flanders winners in this car? Um, yeah. Is it Pete? Yeah. Pete, did you win Pete. the Tour of Flanders? I bloody wish. Yeah. David, did you? What's your did best you? result? No, in the, you did you no, race the Tour of Flanders, David? I was at the front with the front guys and blew up and well, made a mockery of it. Best result? Tour of Flanders? Uh, be t- top 30, maybe. Uh, Pete, did you race the Tour of Flanders? No. 
Lizzie, I don't know, have you ever raced a Tour of Flanders? Oh, <laughs> now I see where we're going. <laughs> well done, Pete. Won it in the rainbow jersey, thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, back to the race. <laughs> also, hey, Ned, this is a good one. When me and Lizzie were, um, this is a story in itself, but we'll get to that later. Going off the top of the of the climb today, I said to Lizzie because we were on uh, loose gravel, weren't we, Lizzie? And I go, "Are you right? I said, no. Are you right on well, this?" I first said, "Are you all right on this?" It's a bit slippy. <laughs> then I says, um, "Did you ever win when shot of Yankee?" And you go, "What did you reply, Lizzie?" Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> And that was the start of our journey, but we'll get back to the end of it, <laughs> towards the end of the podcast, where it was brilliant. And I was like, yeah, obviously you did. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, <laughs> so, but yeah, go back to it. So, bet you're, and it, you're, you're, you're bang on, Ned, because, and as Lizzie says, being quite uh, competent in that type of race, uh, knows the kind <laughs> quite of... Quite competent. Quite competent. You are quite competent. Is, well it is very different. And also, it's the, the end of an epically hard stage. And even the climbers, kind of, a, everyone, it's a leveller when you've had a day of racing Steve that much. Cummings theory. Steve Cummings theory. Steve Cummings theory. Yeah. Shall I tell you that? Do you want to know the Steve Cummings Briefly. theory? Briefly. <laughs> <laughs> Not like we did this morning when me and David, like, switched off and clocked out. <laughs> you <laughs> 30 walked, seconds into you the walked out of the comms box. And I was like, what? Uh, and we were like, what? Did you listen to any of that? <laughs> well, I, and David was like, I, I honestly didn't know what he was talking about. And I was like... Uh, he seemed really passionate about it and I was like but I just can't remember anything <laughs> <laughs> well, here's your second chance <laughs> and my second chance to actually understand what I'm saying <laughs> I remember talking to Steve about his victory in Mont, where he won it was a 23 rider it was similar similar size breakaways today actually and Simon Yates was in it blah 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 got whittled down um, boom exploded on the final climb the two pure climbers Bardet and Pino uh, that's interesting because that's the opposite of what happened today so you know, Bardet and Pino were yeah, were yeah. nowhere today on right. that climb. Um, it, you know, one foot breaker, anyway, whatever. But they, they, sorry, I'm getting lost in detail here. Sure. So they, they were, you know, they got to the top of the climb together. Pino bridged across to Bardet, and but and then Steve won, as we all know. And then talking to him about it a couple of years later, I kind of wanted to know how he thought that had worked. And you know, how come you were able to almost match, almost match? Um, Bardet and Pino on that climb. Well, Ned. Go on. No, no, you finished story. Well, I'll tell you what. No, I, I don't you, no I'll say it in English and you, no, you, you can simultaneously translate it into Steve Cummings. Yeah? yeah? Okay. How about that? Right. So, well, Ned, the thing is... Uh, you know, I was just holding my pace. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I, I, that's my one day I've identified. Hey, that's, it came down to this one day in the whole f- tour. And the thing is, these GC guys... Hey, they can climb, can't they? And I had to really negotiate that. But what they don't know, what they don't know is what it's like to be in a break, because they're never in breaks. Of course they don't know, they're clueless. Right? So they're doing all this work through and off. Through and off, through and off, like I don't know what that is. <laughs> Expending energy that they're not normally used to. They don't normally get an armchair ride to the final climb. What they bloody like, eh, Ned? <laughs> <laughs> and then we hit the final climb, and I know they're going to be better than me, but they have no idea how empty they're going to feel. Exactly, and I've been empty before, Ned, and I can tell you what, don't even come close. <laughs> so we get, <laughs> we, get, we get to the top of the climb together, and then I know I've won it. I know I've won it, don't I? Hey, listen, easier than going to the 24-hour garage in Liverpool, that was. <laughs> <laughs> One attack, 
Aerodynamic. Exactly. Get in the tuck. Yeah, and it, well, we talked about this, didn't we? It's deceptive. <laughs> deceptive. Because he, he attacks and he sits down in the saddle and it doesn't like look like he's going anywhere. No. But you can't get him back. No. It's and like, he just, oh, he's winding he, up. He's winding up or holds the gap. Yeah. But you can't get across to it. Because I had that in the Nationals when he won on the Isle of Man, which was bloody awful because that's probably the, the race I... Were you I all my... Did you get silver? No, I, I just gave up. I got four. Oh, did you? But In I was fairness, close. Pete rode like an excited 12-year-old. Yeah, I tacked into a headwind up the mountain with 120 <laughs> kilos. <laughs> but Rational as ever, Pete. Anyway. in that race. <laughs> well, we hit the mountain and I was like, well, this is like, I need to go now. And it was headwind. But Steve was, I was definitely stronger than him. But um, he won and fair play to him. But going back to, yeah, the nationals it was exactly the same because you think he's attacked and he sits down and he gets like in his top position yeah he does and you think oh I can get to that and you just can't bridge the gap mm. it's unbelievable and you see it when he goes after these early breaks as well because he just holds them there mm. and then he's just gone early breaks should we talk about early breaks today well yeah so yeah. so we came on an hour or three quarters of an hour after the race had started mm. we came on yeah. here live so Lizzie and Pete are standing there next to Gary waiting to you know and the race is already underway and boy was it underway today and I'm normally sitting there just you know full, you know, doing the final little bit of my notes and getting ready for the inevitable break just trying to work out who's in the break and all that sort of thing and I look up and all hell is breaking loose yeah. the first indication we've got that there's a serious bike race underway is a helicopter shot that reveals the yellow jersey on the front of the small we don't know how big this group is but he's ushering quite urgently Nathan Van Hoydonk his teammate onto the front and saying ride ride and we're going what's what's he trying to and ride and there's no Jumbo Visma riders behind him we can't see what he's trying to chase or anything no because we had shots of the group there's like 15 riders off the front and there was no Pogaccia there there were no GC threats no but then the helicopter went to a different shot and it was just you had the yellow jersey you had Vingegaard and Van Hoydonk uh, was it Tish Van Hoydonk no, Van Hoydonk Van Hoydon. yeah. just dragging but then it kind of opened up and there was no Jumbo Visma rider for 30 or 40 riders behind them. And we were like, what are you chasing? Yeah. And then we it cuts no back to the front of the race where you've got this kind of massive disarray of riders who've all been attacking on the, mm. on the opening phase. And then suddenly you go, white jersey. Yeah. White jersey. <laughs> but somehow on this first climb of the day, Pogaccia has attacked. <laughs> He's just gone out. He's just gone absolutely. And then suddenly... Um, the next, uh, then, you, then you note the presence of White Van Aert. You go, well, okay, White glued to his wheel. Just, just glued to his wheel. Just glued to his wheel. Immense. Ah, he's immense. And then... Every day we talk about his immensity. And mm-hmm. then, then there's another helicopter shot and you see Vingegaard, who now, by now, Van Hoedonk has done all he can on this climb and he's isolated yeah. and, he, and, he, and he's committed and he comes mm. shooting up the side yeah. and he latches onto the white jersey group. You know what I thought was so cool about that because you never see... Because we... we get to watch the first hour of the race and sometimes it, the viewers get to see it but we can always watch it and it's such a battle but it's different types of riders the GC racers aren't involved never so to watch a GC racer kick out in that first hour where everyone's flat out yeah. and it's all it's classic sort of narrative of people blowing up going hard and just comes ripping by people yeah and it was you can imagine all those guys that are up there they're used to these situations the Quinn Simmons uh, kind of all these riders that have been in all race then the yellow jersey kicks in in their race and just literally leaves a vapour trail behind them <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool yeah. so occasionally you just need to see 
how good they are. How good they are. And they just wait until the end of the race. There's a reason why they're going to win the Tour de France yeah. and the other guys at aren't. Any, at any moment at that point in the race, and this is what we forget, they can do that. Yeah. They can literally just go, okay, and they can just hit, push the button and just go by everybody. It's bonkers how strong they are. Lizzie, that was super exciting, wasn't it? You, I know you guys were watching it as well. Yeah, he's quickly becoming my favourite is Pogacar. Pog? Oh. Yeah, Pog. I think it, I just think it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. race like that and I don't know if it was planned or not I don't know if he was just holding his position like at the front of the peloton and everything kicked off and I he just know. thought actually like they're quite far behind here let's go for it but mm. just to f- even if it just mm. to follow your instincts like that and not yeah. be so controlled and like yeah. what, consider Lizzie, what, it it's so cool because that was the first thing when you came into to comms with Ned and I at the beginning that was the first thing you said he's so cool yeah <laughs> how would you kind of explain that to our listeners kind of what make we've seen so many different bike races what makes him so cool in your opinion in your opinion yeah. well who else's opinion well, uh, can you do it in the opinion of Theresa May please <laughs> I mean honestly no because just in because Lizzie thinks he's cool well exactly it's got to be in her someone, opinion someone else thinks that's why I'm asking okay. Lizzie for her right, yeah, opinion well yeah exactly well, so no, didn't he qualify for feet, did right, I was just backing up the show alright okay let's I'm let Lizzie say yeah I think the coolest thing is that he's not afraid to fail yeah. Like yep. he yeah. just does it. And I think that's really cool to see from somebody who's under so much pressure um, in the position he's in. It's like he, he understands it's only a bike race. Yeah. And I. I True, though. It, it am is. I allowed to say that at the yeah, Tour de France? No, it's only no, 100%. Lizzie, <laughs> Lizzie, it is only a bike race, just like it's only your opinion. <laughs> No, he's. But it's flipped. It's different for him now. He's chasing. So you know, we spoke about this in the commentaries. Nothing. The difference between nothing to lose and nothing. Everything to lose. Everything to lose. Everything to gain and nothing to lose. No, nothing. Everything to lose or nothing to lose. You say that. You say that, but he also rode like that in the yellow jersey. Yes, you're right. that's how he got the yellow jersey. Yeah. And that's how he did it in the Volta as well. And I'm with you because it's so inspiring, and it's so rare to. Wout van Aert, he's cool because he's just dominant and, mm. and like basically a Marvel character. A yeah, he really. He's is. just really a is. superhero, and but so is Pogacar, but in a different way because Pogacar he has this. And you were saying, and when we did the podium ceremony uh, for the white jersey, this grin he has—it's uh, totally genuine. It's amazing, and yeah. it's and he's in the race. He's so relaxed. He is. Uh, I agree, Lizzie. He's just playing. It's for him. It's never been anything different. He goes to bike races, and they're just bike races. It's funny when you yeah. talk about the Marvel characters, isn't it? Because for me, Wout van Aert, even though he's in green, he's not the Hulk. Because mm. with the Hulk, you, you the Hulk becomes someone you, you don't know. You don't. You don't. Ex- you don't know when he's going to get angry or yeah. when he's going to flip into Hulk mode. That's yeah. again. And yeah. that's, that was, that Sagan, was Sagan, But Sagan. also, in a yeah. way, like who would forgot? I mean, I've watched all of the Marvels. I don't know if the listeners have, or you have, David. But yeah, it's them, you know you could. He's, he's his own character. He's, he's, he's just made, he's yeah. just that he's that really kind, kind of normal person. Who Pog? Who, who, no, no, Wild Wild, Wild. Who yeah. can who helps all the other superheroes? He's Superman. He's Superman. Yeah, he? no, even different because I don't okay. think he's a main character. He's the guy who goes and helps all the other superheroes. What the less fix good their ones. problems? No, they're all really good at their things. They get <laughs> they get a list moments and do these things, but he's the Avenger that keeps coming in to fix the situations. That's really cool. I yeah. think Vingegaard is probably Spider Man. 
because oh, being, nice. having, spinning a spider web seems like a really unimpressive thing to be able to do yeah. and Vingegaard doesn't look like he's, he's very Peter Parker yeah. yeah he's very Peter Parker so the problem with that is just being like eight away. different Spider-Mans aren't there so yeah. God oh, help us all sorry Lizzie that went a bit left the multiverse I forgot about that the multiverse film yeah what was the point Lizzie I can't remember uh, really cool. I, I didn't Hug. start on the Marvels. I've never seen the, the Marvels. Nor have I, really, as I so ably demonstrated just now. Yeah, they're not yeah. bad. But uh, yeah, so, so oh, no, can I pick up on what Lizzie just yes, said about, about yeah. his tactics at the beginning? They mm-hmm. were both... So, to go back to Pete's amazing analogy about Monopoly, which the more I think about it, the more brilliant I think it is, about Thanks, the no. Tour de France being a, a, a game of <laughs> Monopoly. It takes far too long. It's really boring, and in the end, everyone gives up. Yeah. Cycling. <laughs> That's cycling. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all oh, brilliant. It's the Tour de France. We'll all play this. Three. Then only two players. Yeah, 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 two, yeah, everyone's exactly. left the table. <laughs> or, or. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Me and Lizzie had this conversation, which is so again relates it's to it. So Ned, yeah. Start of the season where everyone believes they can win the Tour de France. Again, even like domestic riders. I mean, it's like, I'm going to be the best I've ever been. And it gets like to July, and they're all like, oh. Do you know what? What you, I'll just go and get back and get bottles. Exactly. <laughs> in the same way that when you're setting out the Monopoly board, everyone goes, can I be the boot? No, I want to be the car. The ship. No, 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 yeah. So that seems a really important decision at yeah. the time, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start from there and I'm going to, you know, and then straight away, the first thing, Houston, Houston, bye, bye, I'm in. I'm interested. Every individual decision seems like game changing in the early stages of a Monopoly game, doesn't it? But you, but the whole, oh, it's so good, the Monopoly thing, Pete. I honestly congratulate you on that enormous. I'm enormously jealous. So Pete did win the podcast like, yesterday. Though. I think he's won the entire tour mm. of podcasts with that analogy. It's so clever. And again, the reason it arose in the first place is because you said Pogacar is the kind of guy who'll just buy Mayfair yeah. and, and get into debt and put a hotel on it straight away. That's what he did again today. <laughs> but it wasn't brainless. It was also, you know, had it, had it worked, it could have worked even better. Mm. And he very nearly did. It very nearly did. He had Vingegaard isolated. It was and close, how do you do it? that with Jumbo Visma? And with one more day to go, <laughs> um, they'll all pass go and collect 200 quid on the rest day, won't they? But so can we just, because Lizzie saw this, <laughs> because Lizzie was there after, you saw the post-race interview with Pogacar. Yeah, yeah that was interesting, actually. Oh, yeah. So uh, Matt Rendell asked him, what was it all about today? Did you... So, so today, <laughs> what, was it, what was it all about today, my friend? <laughs> yeah, and he said, you must have got some insight into Jumbo Visma. I mean, you must have got some insight into Jumbo Visma. <laughs> Tell, tell us about that. And at that point, Pogaccia said, yeah, actually, I got a lot of information today about the Jumbo Visma. And over the next couple of days, they're not going to have an easy time. Brilliant. Lizzie? And, but he said it, didn't he say it with a bit of a face? He, yeah, well, yeah, big time. But yeah. also, Matt Rendell was on form in the office today, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He was he giving was us all sorts of stories. What was, he, what, was he, what was he telling he you guys? He just gets on one, didn't he, sometimes. Was he not, some was mornings, he, he was just like, well... <laughs> well, that's an explicit no, content uh, <laughs> warning there. <laughs> on this, uh, yeah, that's fine. No, it's happened. It's happened. But it's like he, he yep. sometimes because he's so professional and he's, yeah. he takes such pride in his work. But on the odd occasion, he comes to the truck yeah. and he just lets loose. That's <laughs> great. And he was like that at lunch. Actually, yeah, lunch he was, yeah. lunch he was on firing off in all directions. Yeah, yeah. 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 he's going off on stories, brilliant stories. But then go, kind of get three quarters way through and then just have a pause and trying to remember what we were talking about <laughs> and kind of rewind so but the good news is we're going to have Matt yeah. Rendell on the, the podcast rest on the rest day yeah we're going to get him on yeah. the rest day yeah yeah yeah. 
No, he's an amazing bloke, Matt Riddle. Yeah. Colossally tall. He's got like this incredibly cultured voice. Huge appetite. And, and yet, he's got a huge appetite. And he's got <laughs> fists that are twice as wide as mine. And I have seen him in the mix zone threaten to punch an Italian reporter in the face. I reckon he would as well. And, 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 yeah. and this, yeah, I won't absolutely. name him, but this Italian reporter, is, who's really quite an important guy at the time, wilted in the face of Matt Rendell. Yeah. Uh, you would yeah. be uh, you would be yeah. terrified of a punch mm. in the face from Matt Rendell. Yeah. It would hurt. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to. For no. like fight club. So then um so then what the break got so then, the biggest then lead in the race, didn't it? Yeah, so eventually far. so eventually eventually it kind of he couldn't quite see that tactic through wasn't it because no. Vingegaard was so strong and he oh got yeah. there yeah Vingegaard just ended up popping on Wout was there so Wout well, just Wout ruined control. it all really Wout ruined it all yeah mm. yeah. he just ruins bike races <laughs> Yeah, we need Wout out we yeah, need Wout out he came along I don't know together. Wait, I'm going to disagree because I don't think he did because he was just sat on his wheel and actually he made no effect or well, but then he change anything but then he shut it down because when the, yeah, uh, the counter attack started going Wout the rest of Jumbo Visma were just they'd vaporised yeah Roglic was off the back they're all dropped and Wout just sat on the front but, and yeah. set a tempo that annoyed everybody so no one's going to jump off it and also no one's going to attack Wout van Aert yeah at that point but I yeah. mean Jonas Vingegaard yeah. got himself oh yeah he fixed it, it. Fixed yeah it. but he was yeah. never under pressure real never. pressure but no. but Wout van Aert he's sitting there isn't he Wout van Aert and Tadej you know so Tadej could have turned around and said what are you doing here so, oh, you want me to go back and get Jonas? Because I can do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, if you want me to do that, I'll do that. Yeah, well, but, but at the yeah, moment, yeah. I'm just sitting here. So, yeah. that's why. <laughs> right? Isn't it, Pete? It's just an enormous, yeah. you know, enormously yeah. significant figure in the green jersey. Yeah. Just saying, yeah. you like, ain't going nowhere, mate. So, what are you doing, Taddy? <laughs> yeah. I got you. But then the, the, a really solid group went. We've got 18 riders. And it was made up of majority climbers. 23. Mm. In the end, it was 23. Yeah, yeah. We're getting to that point in, in the race where... It's only there's not many tactics to get in the break. It's just who's strongest, yep. who's still recovering, and who wants to. Yep. And you have all the usual suspects, don't you? Yeah, but it looks so hard to ride. Sometimes, like you make all the effort to get into the break, and then the break is like the easiest place to be because it's smooth and consistent. But it was like there was a race within a race. The break was like a mini peloton. <laughs> yeah, it was a mini peloton. Yeah, you know, mm. like over every little rise, there'd be guys off the back coming past attacking mm. I just thought it was a really hard race even how do you feel front. about your, your team's racing today mm. Mm. Big Bowker didn't have it did he Big Bowker no. he's quite mm. small isn't he is he big Tall. he's Who? got a big heart Who? Quinn no Bowker <laughs> no Bowker Bowker so it looked like Quinn was Quinn he looked like he was putting... The thing is with Quinn Simmons, he just races the, the same every time. He'd be, he'd be a joy to be in a break with because you just know what he's going to do. But I thought he was doing it for Bowker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but I think Quinn was absolutely working for Bowker, but Bowker just didn't have the legs, did yeah. he? But I think it's probably... It's a tough call to make, even when you're a rider. If you're in Bowker's position, you just mm. don't know. Maybe I feel rubbish now, but in 50k I might feel better, yeah. so it's difficult to make the call. David, um, David Miller was so annoyingly right in commentary today with Quinn Simmons. Oh, yeah. That was, was good. So, yeah, even you acknowledged oh, that yeah, that was good, was right? So Why? Yeah, what yeah. did you say? Oh, it was, we were coming up to the third climb of the day, and, and Quinn Simmons had defended Ciccone's points over the second climb. Do you remember that? Yeah. He'd taken points off Geshka, mm -hmm. and you thought, well, he's doing a brilliant teammate's job there for Ciccone, who wasn't yeah. in the break, and, and, and just limiting the losses there. 
and then the next climb comes up a long long way after the second climb and we Simmons is at the back and he's beginning to struggle and we go oh well, he's got such a hard job now he's going to have to get to the front of this group and he's going to have to sprint against Geshka oh, I know, yeah. to take Sorry. Ciccone's point and David goes, David goes yeah but it's a good place to be at the front mm. yeah. right elaborate yeah. David and then what happens so I've been in places before I've had to defend mountains points either from, from me in the jersey or for teammates and it's, it was quite rare in my career but when I did it I found myself racing differently because I'd it was the last thing I wanted to do, but it ended up being the best thing for me because I would be at the front over the top of the climbs and I could race differently. And so normally you're sitting and conserving and you think that's always the safest place to be, but sometimes actually just being over the front, being aggressive, puts you in situations you'd never otherwise be in. And I kind of thought that's, or oh, that was a loathsome job, as you described, uh, Ned, for Quinn Simmons to be in a situation, but also defending his teammates' points and trying to secure them. I thought, actually, this is really good for him because he can then race differently. He wouldn't have thought of this. He'd be conservative but at the back, kind of reading what other people are doing. But he did something that was really cool. He went up there, and out of the 18 riders, it was Simon Geshka, who's in the jersey. Quinn Simmons came up there again on his wheel. And I guess they kind of... well. It was brilliant because the rest of the break are disin un completely uninterested yep. in get securing points. So they're going for it, Simon Geshka and Quinn Simmons, but Quinn Simmons just dropped off his wheel. Said, I'll second for second. Yeah. And, and then, then, then suddenly... Crossed the line and went bang. Geshka sat up, Simmons went on, yeah. and it was a big bluff. It was brilliant. It yeah. was kind of old school. It was kind of... And, and so I think sometimes you got to get inside their heads and realize and Quinn Simmons got that attitude where he's a pure racer yeah and but unfortunately it didn't work out because he was putting himself on the line and that's eventually what set off Michael Matthews move yeah because Quinn Simmons doing that over the top of that climb the third climb from the finish he ripped off the front and he pushed it on as he does all the time everyone started attacking going everywhere and out of the 18 riders there were three teams who had three riders Bora Hansgrohe Israel Premier Tech and EF. Um, EF yeah and so you'd expect them to have been launching a rider first that's what I would have done if I was there yeah. send one off I but Quinn Simmons went off like Quinn that was a really good move from Quinn but I think a lot of the time you see Quinn pushing it too hard and then he does miss yeah. the race yeah he's so move. predictable I agree but with I think you. that's probably just an inexperience I mean he's come yeah. from being the best junior in the world yeah deciding and dictating the way a race goes and being able to race like that and I don't think it's quite caught up with him that he can't do that still. Lizzie look ahead can you see there there's a, those spikes yep. there so we're going through the most beautiful landscape the, the sun's coming down it's very much kind of Massif Central and you have the... It's a Norman the Foster Milau. There's a Norman Foster, it's the Milau Yeah, it's a Norman Foster designed this astonishing viaduct that we're about to go over yeah this is pretty much when we get there i think lizzie should probably do the bridge yeah right? take it yeah. in terms of describing <laughs> yeah. it. um but for now um we're just going to um, you know, in between the bridge now for okay. now pete okay sorry i'm directing this <laughs> for now we're just going to hold for three seconds What were you going to say, Pete? I was going to say, um, could we replicate the commentator's book on, you know, the chapeaux? The, <laughs> the chapeaux. The chapeaux. 
know almost find what the bridge is on Google. Yeah. Give it to Lizzie, hand it to her. Yeah. Understand and it now, we've got a, we've got a few kilometres. We're seeing it in the distance there. We're about five five k maybe, and maybe then a bit we can more really six k. Figure out how go. difficult it is. Yeah. 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 Because I'm looking forward to it. So what we're going to do? I'm not nervous. We're going to carry on talking about the race until we get to the viaduct, right? Right. Okay. And then Lizzie with her. So about being like condescending yeah. to Quinn Simmons, he's the type of guy, David and Lizzie, that when I got on a break and he was there, I'd be like, yeah, got you. Yeah, yeah, happy yeah. Oh, no, no, my, that, he'd be my dream to have yeah, a break. Yeah, because he, he's, not, he's not really threatening. You no. know what he's going to do. Yeah. And he's happy to be there. He's happy to be there. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's what Michael Matthews did. And let's, Michael Matthews was there. He was, his, uh, he was on his own. There were the three teams with three riders. There were other teams with two riders. And he was on his own, and he used that to his advantage because the break was made up of so many great climbers yeah, that they, they really just was. hadn't even considered him. Yeah. And also, he's on his own. Yeah. It's Michael Matthews, yeah. he's a sprinter, and they don't mm. know the depth that, that he has. Incredible. And <laughs> it's just incredible. So once Quinton was set that kind of, it was probably about 20 minutes of hardcore racing <laughs> and teams chasing things down and trying to cover everything, he just went off on his own and counted everything as it lulled. And you thought, oh, okay I mean it was a tailwind but he was off there for maybe 15 20 minutes on his own incredible until three riders bridged up to him again all the teams with three riders missed it apart from Bora Hansgrohe I find that remarkable yeah that you've got three riders in a move <laughs> and you missed the move yeah it's e- like EF had a bit of confusion today because they yeah. were clearly at the beginning riding for Nielsen Powerless yeah that was and a, then the wheels came off with yeah, Powerless it was, it and then they had to think mess. again they go oh now what do we do how are you going you ran <laughs> yeah and also yeah. Betiol <laughs> how are you, you doing Betiol what are you going to do what are you going to do because <laughs> <laughs> Betiol's been a bit of a tactical baffler throughout hasn't he <laughs> tactical baffler yeah he's a tactical baffler his interview was amazing at the end was it what did you so say? Long. Was oh, it really? Probably like three minutes. Oh, really? Can you summarise it? <sighs> Lizzie, can you? Um, no pressure. Get a bit of practice for the... Um, he basically just said, thanks, everybody. Uh, he felt like he let everybody down. Oh, oh he's going to keep trying. And, you know, the Tour de France isn't over. And but the season isn't over, he went on to say. Yeah, and well, this, and he kept, like, like um, you know, going back to, like, stage in the Giro where <laughs> similar circumstances happened. And, but what I've noticed between Michael Matthews and um, the guy we are just talking about, Betiol, Betiol uh, was we're getting to the part of the race where people are starting, riders are starting to get emotional. Yeah, yeah, oh and yeah. And they're like it's really starting to thank yeah. the staff or the families, and yeah. it's way less, you know, yeah. robotic it's like, it's like and Oscar ceremonies. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think yeah. it's nice when they do that, though. Yeah, it's I great. Like, take really your, take your moment and yeah. run with yeah. it. No, it was, and, and also Michael Matthews in victory today was, I thought, the most emotional Michael Matthews yeah. I've ever known. Same I don't know. Way. Whenever I win a bike, whenever I win a bike race, the, first, the people I'm thinking of are at home. You know? Oh, really? Yeah. yeah Is really? that right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you? Did you not? Pete? Do what? You know, like because everyone thanks their teammates and staff, but my instinct is always to be like soppy and yeah, thank but that's Phil what Michael whatever, Matthews did wasn't it yeah he did exactly yeah. that yeah. pretty much that yeah yeah it's a nice thing to do it's the right thing to do yeah, yeah you forget so. that in the moment because you've got all these different duties and different things and it's the people you've got to go back to the hotel to and look in the eye mm-hmm. you kind yeah, of tend true. to focus on them you guys all know Michael Matthews quite well. I mean, Michael, does Michael Matthews live in France in that village? Yeah, same village. As yeah, same, same village. village as you yeah. in France. That's amazing. So <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how many bike riders live in that village. 
But um, do you? I've, I don't think I've ever. Oh no, I must, I must have met him, interviewed him, but I don't really know who he is. Is he? He's a, seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, I, like I think he's a very nice guy. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. You know him probably more than me. I remember it was actually we talked about Commonwealth Games in 2010 was the first time I kind of saw him, and that was after Geelong where he'd won the under 23 worlds. Right. And everyone had been talking about this kid, and he was called Bling, and I was like, Bling. Who? Yeah. What the hell he is this name, Oakies. Bling? Do you remember? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the name softened over the years, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, because now first, it's like, it at like, first it was like, literally, Jesus. it was like, he was literally Bling, shiny, kind of a, a proper little kind of He used to have his eyebrow star. pierced as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, but he was yeah, really he did, good. Yeah. And really so, nice. Yeah, and this was the Friendly. conundrum with him, because he, he's so kind of extrovert regards his appearance, but really introvert. As kind of his personality. Yeah, really I think he's a bit misunderstood because yeah, of that. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, and he also made it very clear in his interview that he feels misunderstood uh, misunderstood as a bike rider as well because, as he amply proved today, um, there's a load more to him than uh, the meets the eye. So we've now hit the payage before the viaduct. Um, and ah, now the green light is gone and. And, 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 and we're off and running. So the situation in the race is we have Dignan, we have Kenya Camilla, three riders up the road. And the gap is, um, well, they've got 208 kilometers to the finish line. And all of a sudden, they are going to hit uh, the viaduct. Which, by the way, this is called the Mil- Mil- Milieu <laughs> Viaduct. And it's part of the A75, A71 auto route axis from Paris to Bézier and Montpellier. The cost of construction <laughs> was 394 million, built over three years, um, inaugurated on the 14th of December 2004 and opened to traffic two ways on December the 16th. Consistently ranked as one of the greatest engineering achievements of modern times and received the 2006 Outstanding Structure Award. There we go. Can I quickly do a David Miller impression of what he would say in the race? Yeah, go on. So, the Millu Viaduct is part of the A75, A71. <laughs> <laughs> also, axes from Paris to Bizarre and, well, you'll never know this, but Montpellier. The cost of this construction. <laughs> he takes so yeah, pride he, in it. He really, sort of pretends that accent it's was his so bad, but it's like you say, Lizzie. He's like, pretending it's his own work. It's his own. Yeah. Work. It's you got to pretend. This is such. This is what makes it so good because go on, it's David. so difficult. Yeah. Go on, go on, on. Give us it for real. This is like now, it's a so talent. Here it is. So we're approaching. It's quite a big valley, and it's the Tarn Valley, and there was this time where the. They didn't have a way of cutting this whole auto route that we've been coming through. Didn't have a, a way to get across this. It was all converted around, and they had to find a solution to cross this valley. And they made this unbelievable kind of extrovert idea of getting Norman Foster, who's one of the is British, one of the world's greatest architects, to design this bridge. And we're coming onto it now, and it's I think it's like 300 meters high or something. And not good enough, David. 
I know I, I'm not into the details. Oh, that was a blag, wasn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's what do you kind prefer, a blag or a straight read from Wikipedia? <laughs> so it's a crazy. There's these spires, like these big white spires, and it's this clever suspension system, and they've designed it so it is actually an architectural kind of point of reference from the whole surrounding area. So they've not just made a bridge for the sake of making a bridge; they've made a viaduct. Oh. This is Makes you sick, doesn't it? This is the very heart of France. So good. David. This is one of the most remote areas in France. And a symbol of France's development and its modernity is right what you're seeing here. Bridging this huge valley, one of the most beautiful structures ever built in the 20th century in France is a point of national pride. We're crossing it now. It's a stunning structure, a feat of engineering. And that, ladies and gentlemen, it's a bit of a rite of passage in the Tour de France, is the Viaduc du Mille. And that's why I'm a bike rider and <laughs> not a commentator. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. We've all got it. We've all got it. We're all we're all. A that was really good, guys. That was impressive. Yeah, chapeau. Chapeau. No, it's <laughs> actually, you. no, genuinely. I genuinely because, love it. <laughs> because, um, you know, almost every year, or at least every other year, we do this road, you know, the 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 the, the race will come to Mond mm. or come to Rodez or something like that, and we'll be, we'll yeah. end up at Carcassonne. Yeah. We take this road, and it really does feel like a gateway to mm. the deep southwest, yeah. doesn't it? We're it about does. to drop out of the Massif Central, mm. down into the, and the temperature is just going. to Is it right a bit there. like the Dartford Tunnel? <laughs> yeah. the deep south. So I got an interesting <laughs> anecdote. I bumped into Norman Foster once. The oh, of course it. you did. And uh, did you, Pete? Have you ever bumped into <laughs> Norman Foster? Oh yeah, and just on the last Wednesday. Yeah. And <laughs> he's a super keen cyclist. Really? So after it was constructed, him and a group of his pals did a ride from Paris to the frontier on this road, and they closed. Well, they well, did other roads, but they closed the Milau viaduct for him and his friends to cross on bikes. Well, that's and that's the only time that's ever happened. That's privilege right there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Has the Tour de France ever gone over it? Raced over it? Yeah. 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 Well, it actually raced over it. Yeah. So it was closed then as well. Yeah, yeah, that was the one. So it was kind of just after it opened, they wanted to like celebrate it. No, what I'm saying is so it's been it closed twice. Yeah, but uh, that was for the Tour de France. <laughs> that's a ministerial closure. Yeah. That's yeah. not a... Um, yeah. Yeah. Check facts, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Norman Foster and his pals and the Tour de France have got to ride across the, the Miao viaduct. Yeah. Hey, I remember when we came, last time we came over here in 2018, David, we came, we dropped off here and we hit a payage somewhere about 100 kilometers from here, mm. heading towards Carcassonne. And the entire, because basically, the later it gets in the evening, the more it whittles down to just Tour de France traffic. Yeah. Everyone was getting breathalyzed. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I was driving. Yeah. You were driving. Yeah. And it you was sailed through. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, was fine. You sailed through. But, yeah, it was yeah. kind of like it was, that was kind of threatening in a way it was, it was just kind of, but that was the old days of the Tour de France by the way where the harsh truth of the 1980s and before where there would be wine everywhere at the oh, catering crikey. beforehand and up even into the 2000s not so many years ago no. so yeah. we are now eating um, with France Television yeah. they're catering for us yeah. and by the way Lizzie it's magnificent food it's isn't wonderful it? food it's very yeah. good food yeah I've been really impressed I thought I'd mm. be living off next to nothing being a vegetarian in France but lunch has been kind of the the yeah. only mm. nutrition I've had it's true the struggle you've yeah. you've had you I mean, and Pete yeah the, the, the both of you are vegetarians very, very different types of vegetarian for, for the reasoning you can you explain I, I really find it fascinating your vegetarianism Lizzie so ever since I can remember I've never liked the taste of meat 
all being able to separate the idea of the carcass on a plate basically yeah i think i just grew up in a very meaty household the whole house is basically addicted to meat yorkshire (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, you know, like you know. we used to have a, ch- a roast on a Sunday. What's up with you, and then Sunday what's up with you? you? Don't like meat? <laughs> you're having Honestly, a bloody laugh. You'll eat what you're bloody given, hey, lass. You'll eat what's on the bloody plate. Consistently, my brother will say to me, Lizzie, imagine how fast you'd be if you ate a steak. Aye. I'm just like, oh, yeah. Nick, it's been I, 20 I loved years, your you know? line this evening, Lizzie, because we finally found a veggie thing for you. And it was one of the modern kind of vegan vegetarian things, which is actually kind of made like fake meat. And you were like, no, vegans are ruining for me. (laughs) Vegans are ruining for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because there used to be vegetarian options on a a menu. So, you know, you'd have a bit of egg or cheese or flavor or something. And now it's vegan, just vegan. So it's Mm. fake meat. And I don't eat meat because I don't like the taste of meat. Yeah, so so they've made something deliberately to taste like something you don't like. Yeah, just to help people who are just trying to to substitute meat. We had, I'll tell you what though, we had, so you, me and Pete Mm. sat down, David. Last night in in Monde, we found a fantastic, well, we were guided by some locals to a really nice couscous restaurant run by a Moroccan guy. Mm. And we sat down at a beautiful, tiny little square, mm-hmm. quite late at night, where the only other customers were <laughs> the local gendarmerie, oh, yeah. the, mu- the police municipal, uh, who were essentially having breakfast. Yeah. This is 10 o'clock at night, and they're having this big couscous meal because their shift is about to start mm. at 11 o'clock, where their job is to go around the streets of Mont and lift cars that are on the race route mm. and take them off to the police pound. So that was their shift. It was about to start. They were there, and they were lovely people. Lovely, yeah. But... but um, it was a couscous, you know, and they had a couscous vegetarian, didn't they? And we got terribly mm. excited for oh, job done for Pete. Loads of nice fresh vegetables, couscous and all that sort of thing. Mm. And it transpired, consulting the waiter, it was saturated in meat stock. Yeah, and as he said that. And the night before with the vegetarian goat mm. cheese salad. Which had loads of ham in it. Loads of ham. <laughs> yeah, yeah and bacon and bits. Yeah, and, and the best bit was when we asked the waiter. Today. Uh, no, at the goat cheese salad place. Oh, yeah, and sorry. <laughs> The manager comes over and was just like, push it to the just side. Just push it aside. What you? Yeah. What's, what's, the what's, what's the issue? What's the issue? Yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> it is remark. I love France in all sorts of ways, but this attitude I find incomprehensible and indefensible. Yeah, and it's the hardest place to be a vegetarian. So I think, it's in the world. so tough to have like a real valid opinion on a country as a whole, though, isn't it? Because for me, it's like. I I ate meat until I was well, and three years ago. So yeah, until I was almost Mm thirty, and I couldn't. And again, going back to culture and your upbringing, I couldn't comprehend not not eating meat. Mm. So then to come to a village where a restaurant's run by someone who ate meat all their life, (laughs) they haven't experienced. Do you know? So it's like it's hard to almost judge them because. Hey, do you want want to explain your your, your conversion? I think it's a really generous attitude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go on, explain. Um, Right. So, long story short, a bit like Ned's um, Ned talking before about Steve Cummings win 2015 Mm -hmm. when we clocked off. Bring it back to Mm -hmm. the cycle. Right. So, Mm -hmm. long story short. Yeah. There we go. Um, Right. So, I went up to bed. Do you know how you sometimes go up to bed? You put something on TV just to have the TV on to drift off to, or just in the background. Well, this didn't happen on that particular night because it was a documentary about a family who raised their own cattle and effectively slaughtered them them. and ate them, which is actually the best way to do it if you're going to eat meat. That's the correct way to do it. However, 
for me, I don't know what happened. I watched it. He said to his five, six-year-old son, I also have a five, six-year-old son. I don't know if that was relatable um, subconsciously. This is what I have him for dinner. And it was like a turkey or a chicken. He snapped his neck in front of the, the mm. six-year-old. And then within you know a second, it cut to the dinner table of the chicken or turkey on, on the plate. And the next day, I didn't even think much of it in the evening. I woke up, walked downstairs to make breakfast, and... I said to my wife, I don't think I'm alright with eating meat because I couldn't, I couldn't, I feel like I couldn't kill a chicken or turkey to eat it. Yeah. And then with that, it, then it just, it, it evolved. So um, I went, I was vegan for nine months and then realised the, 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 the crux of the matter was, is I wasn't a vegetarian or vegan for a reason. Mm. There was no like deep down reasoning behind doing yeah. it so then I was like what am I doing I'll just I love pizza I love parmesan on my pasta I'll just be a vegetarian but then as the years have gone on now the four or the smell of meat and the fact that I have to kill something to eat it doesn't just doesn't agree yeah. I can't I That's can't amazing. even fathom it and what's yeah. really bizarre about the whole situation is I was I ate meat every day yeah. For 30 years of my life and Switch. never even thought Must about been, it. Yeah, it's really, I think it's really good, Pete. I, th- I, think I, really good. I really admire that, Pete. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, whether, it's, whether it's good or bad, no, I the reason why I, I, it, it, I can't get my head around it is because peop- we have this conversation with other people and it's, for me, it's, it's not an option. So it's yeah. easy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So mm. if, if someone doesn't, if, it doesn't, if they're not psychologically, if for me, I can't eat meat, but if someone can and they're trying to do it for different reasons, mm. But they're not, you know. Then it becomes harder because yeah. you have that conversation with you with yourself, don't you? But for me, I know I can't eat it. I literally would throw up if I. Yeah, ate I've seen meat. you. I've seen you in the, in the presence of me. And that's too. why it makes yeah. it so easy because <laughs> it doesn't. It's there's, yeah. there's no well, no choice. Well, that's so good. Go. So back to the race. We're on the final climb now. Yeah. Are we? We'd better make yeah. it quick because it's quite a long part. Let's do the final climb yeah, quickly. Do the final climb. Boom! And I'm on. Which <laughs> way do we? Are we the break? We're at the point <laughs> where uh, so. Uh, unexpectedly, uh, Michael Matthews leaves Groschartner. Uh, Felix Groschartner, which uh. is, uh, I think, the only rider in the history of professional road racing to have three s- consecutive S's in his name. I've shared many a drinks with uh, Groschartner. What's he like? And, uh, absolute legend. Good. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Like uh, salt well. of the earth. Yeah. Talks about um, going skiing with his dad, like, on you know these long marathon skis that they go and they stop at these huts and mm. have beers and then ski back home brilliant uh, absolute legend mm. yeah. Lizzie yeah Grossratner I think I've been to a wedding <laughs> his wedding <laughs> what his wedding <laughs> Lizzie no, would he have been at Sam Bennett's wedding maybe no he wasn't well no. they were Bora was I there <laughs> <laughs> no I wasn't there was no. a Bora oh, yeah. about you there he <laughs> yeah. was Austrian I think no that was your wedding I was at <laughs> Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Hey, I was not Sam Bennett's wedding, obviously doesn't like me enough. But, but hey, you, you probably were. I probably, Grosh Hartner probably was there. Uh, oh, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, he wasn't so any he good today. So <laughs> you had all the climbers behind you, all these different things, and then Michael Matthews, and we were saying commentaries, Michael Matthews is going to struggle Grosh Hartner, and who, uh, of was, course he is. Of who course was the he other is. rider in there? I've forgotten. Oh, come on. It was, oh, come on now. Oh. Lewis Le- no, it's Le- Lewis, Lewis Leon Sanchez. Sanchez. Lewis Sanchez. Yeah, we kind of discounted him though, didn't we? We did, but, but we were thinking, we were thinking. But anyway, Michael Matthews disposed of them quickly on the climb, yeah. and we yeah. were like, oh wow, and he looks comfortable. And then it started going off behind, but every, the legs started falling off that whole group. That's just incredible. It was insane. It was insane. And then Betiol. Yeah, and, and then Betiol. Betiol was the only one, and he'd already done the climb before. Yeah, he was the strongest 
youngest guy in the group, and he was racing like a maniac again. Yeah. Uh, and he raced like a maniac, bri- bridged up across to him, got to him, sat on him, came round him, accelerated, and it was like, oh, I thought there's was no like, way. Yeah. I, I mean, Lizzie, you've been in that situation. It's when you get caught and then distanced by somebody from behind. How do you ca- how do you hang in? How do you come back from that? How do you come Beca- back? Because I reckon he made a very measured effort, didn't he, Bling? And Betty all made this massive acceleration behind him. And you don't give up on that kind of climb because you know people are going to blow up. So he would have had the information that Betty all was coming across to him. So he would have maybe, you know took half a percentage off his effort or knocked whatever. it off five percent yeah. yeah and then yeah. Betiel came past him but he didn't come past him fast enough yeah and he sat behind him for a second and then he kind of okay he didn't attack him you know he mm. gave him he just gave him enough hope and mm. if you give a sprinter a bit of hope yeah that's with what all you said need. there Lizzie Matthews always knew that he had even if he didn't attack him he had the sprint in his back yeah well, and but that was the thing so when he gets back across yeah that was crazy that was uh, he gets back onto his wheel and yeah. he goes well now what's going to happen yeah and he jumped him and immediately it was a beautiful bit of bike racing from Michael yeah. Matthews the it whole was. thing it was his best win, win ever. Ever. ever best win ever ever yeah, it was. He's what, 31? 31 Th- years old. Thirty-one years old. It's it's his fourth, show, yeah. fourth Tour de France. Yeah. Don't, don't give up. Yeah, like he, when you got the passion yeah. and the class. But you know what? I think Steve Cummings when he won, he was like thirty-four. Yeah, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, maybe thirty-five on Monday. I, I might be wrong. Yeah, but, but it yeah. was it was tactically the whole thing. I mean, physically enormous yeah. what he did. Yeah, but tactically he was the underdog in that group. Mm. No one was kind of flagging him. The, he was outnumbered, outgunned. And he, if in doubt, lead out is always the saying. Yeah. And he literally led out from what thirty k's to go, yep. and just took the race into his own hands. Yep. And then there were kind of no, there's it's amazing. I, I've got the, nothing. What's to the climb called? Uh, it's uh, Monte Jalabert. Monte Jalabert. Côte de la Croix Neuve de Monte Jalabert. Yeah. Côte de la Croix Neuve, le Monte Jalabert, where veterans get their biggest wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Very good. Um, right, okay, we're going to wrap this up. It's going seriously long. Lizzie, how does it feel to be part of the number one sports podcast in the UK on iTunes at well, the quite unexpected, really. Yeah, delighted. Delighted that people are interested in what we've got to say. You've got normal friends nice? I was well, going to say, do you want to say hello to your normal friends? Yeah, your normal friends. Who are they? Oh, yeah, can I say hello to Ben? Hello, Ben. Oh, well, that was me saying hello to you. You didn't want me to say hello to him. Are you just making up names here, Lizzie? Do you actually have normal friends? <laughs> I've got. I'm very lucky. I've got a set of, oh, how many? <laughs> Thousands of normal friends. <laughs> Thousands. I've still got my school friends, basically. Who at school. are they're normal? They texted me this morning and said, "Blumenet, Lizzie, your number one podcast." Um, and they also said that I was starting to sound a bit too posh. So. Oh well. Huh. Yeah, yeah, the accent has developed. Yeah. Since You're the, hanging uh, out with me too much, Lizzie. Yeah. Biggest David, David, yeah. David, you got polishing your accent. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've lost my Irish twang Just like while my, I've been um, here. Yeah. My attitudes and my yeah, way yeah. of life, David. I help yeah. you with that as well. Yeah. I'll tell you what, you, Lizzie, you'll get back to this um, village in France where you live and Phil Diagonal will look at you and go, You've changed. <laughs> um, if that's the case, I'm very sorry. Well. All right. So we're nearly at Carcassonne. No, we're not. We're 169 kilometres to go. And the gap is minimal because we're all in the same car. <laughs> Very minimal in that backseat. <laughs> that was great. <laughs>